Good morning. The reading this morning is from Colossians 3 and just verses 18 to 21. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Thanks to God for his word. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. That's great. Well, I just want to add my welcome to Libby. If I've not met you, my name's Paul, and I'm one of the clergy here, and we're going to be looking at this passage. But do come and say hi at the end if you are new and visiting, because I'd love to uh, get to know you. Let's just pray before we look at this. Father, we pray that in all of this, Lord, in these few verses, that, Father, there would be something um, of you that would just speak to us, that would be really relevant and helpful in becoming more like you, Jesus. And we pray, Lord God, that our hearts would be open and that we would receive what you're saying, that it would land on good ground, Lord Jesus, and that we would know what to do with it and how it can grow in our lives, we pray. Amen. Well, I'm aware with that sort of uh, verse, kicking off with wives, submit to your husbands, and then going into the husbands and then the families and the children and so on, that uh, I'm going to have to do a little bit of work to actually win you back over. There's a couple of nudges and nods and a couple of coughs and sort of sort of eye rolls going on. And I think for some of us, we're like, wait, wait, why have the children gone? Oh, get the children back in for verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything. Why are the kids out? I could do with my kids being here to hear that. But we need to look at this and see it in a broader sense. I know we've zoomed right in there and we're looking at a few different relationships. But for me, I want to just make it a bit broader. I want to look at our relationship, yes, in families and in households, but how do we treat one another? What's our relationship with people at work? What's our relationship with people in our uh, universities, in our workplaces? What's our relationship like with the world and the earth and the planet? And what does this text, what does this mean for us as people with all them relationships? And it's also worth noting right at the start that this is set in a particular time. Some of us may have felt the tension there between Paul's time, the age that Paul wrought into, and our present time. We need to be aware that, that Paul is writing this letter to, in a, to a Greco-Roman world, and the churches are there of that time. Kenneth Bailey, who is an author and a lecturer, has done over 30 years of research, and he writes about first century culture in the New Testament, and particularly Paul's letters as well. Kenneth writes books called uh, things like Paul Through Mediterranean Eyes, which would be really helpful and important at this stage. He talks about the influences that Paul would have had, the, the culture, the climate that he would have been writing into. See, households were very sacred in them times. They were a place of worship and mission. They were important. And traditionally, in that culture and in that time, men were dominant in public life. So women's roles were often confined to being at home unless they were priestess or a sex worker. Men couldn't talk to women in public, even if it was their wife. And there was a mixture of Jews and Gentiles all carrying this tradition, all this history, all this upbringing, all these rules and regulations. They were bringing that into this newfound relationship that they have now with Jesus. They're followers of Christ. Kenneth mentions um, a, a famous Greek author, uh, and he's, he's reflecting on this period. And this Greek author says this, At the time, we have courtesans for our pleasure, prostitutes for our daily physical use, 
and wives to bring up legitimate children. He talks about women being under the hand of the father and under the hand of the husband, almost like private property, like it was their property. And actually, Paul is speaking into that culture, and he's saying something different, something other. See, things were beginning to change. Them ideas, them understandings, that way of living and treating people were beginning to change, but it was a bit of a slow burner. And Paul's speaking something that's absolutely countercultural. Like Jesus, he's speaking stuff that's like, oh my gosh, that goes against everything that we see and we operate and we understand. It's something different. It's something beautiful and it's something lovely. It's worth noting that through the life, teaching, and ministry of Jesus, we see no indication at all of anything but his love, acceptance, and respect for women and men. There is no sense of him promoting culture where men are superior to women, but rather Jesus subverts and challenges a culture which does anything to undermine the place of women or any other oppressed group for that matter. In the kingdom of God, slaves, women, children, the equality of male and female is absolutely celebrated in Christ. For me, biblically, uh, I, think about, um, I think about it in this way, one, two, three. So I think about Genesis 1, and I think in the beginning, God created man and woman in his own image. So he's made men and women in his own image, Genesis 1. I think about 2, Acts 2, the Spirit of God came and it poured the Spirit out on all flesh, on the young, on the old, on men, on women. And then I think about uh, 3, Galatians 3, that there is neither slave nor free nor Jew nor Gentile, neither male nor female, but we are all one in Christ. So equality is celebrated and biblical, and we see, and Paul sees that and speaks into this. And like Jesus, Paul radically challenges and goes against the flow and the grain of what people may have been treated and how they may have been seen at that time. A more uh, recent comment uh, from Tom Holland, uh, who's a writer, says this, Paul's writing and the Gospels are the most influential, the most impactful, and the most revolutionary writings that have emerged from the ancient world. So with that in mind, let's look at, right from the top, verse 18 and 19. See, when we read that, some of us may have been shocked. Wives, submit to your husbands as it isn't pleasing to the Lord. However, we see verse 19, husbands, love your wives. I think for me, that is the more radical thing. When we hear the backstory, when we see about how men were treated, women, and how it was set up in society, how culture was, that's the bigger challenge. For actually men to love their women in a way that is right and that should have been. Often when you read commentaries about this uh, particular passage and that particular uh, version of submit and so on, commentaries and authors and biblical scholars, they always move it to another verse, again of Paul's writings and again of Paul's letters, but they broaden it and they say, actually, what is Paul actually saying? What does Paul actually think? What does he believe? Is this consistent with what he's saying? And they often refer to Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of your reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. Another. There's no boss and employee. There's no hierarchy. There's no like, I am dominant. I rule you. I own you. You are my property. It's submit to one another. It's actual mutual submission. 
There's mutual submission going on where he's saying, look, in all your relationships, in your households and so on, in your friendships and so on, but submit to one another. Be Christ. Christ submits. Christ sacrifices. Christ, Christ lowered himself. Christ gave of himself. Submit to one another out of your reverence for Christ. Dick Lucas, uh, in one of his commentaries on these passages, says this. Notice that Paul urges mutual responsibility upon both husband and wife. It is not all one-sided. See, Paul's being really radical by saying to the husbands, love your wives, because he knows the culture. He knows what's going on. He knows how women have been treated. And he's saying, actually, guys, love your wives. Love them. Love them like they should be loved. Be Christ to them. Submit to one another. Have these mutual responsibilities, mutual submission to one another. It's a partnership. It's not this horrible thing that's set up that would oppress anybody. He's saying to husbands, love your wives. And we know what love is because in another one of Paul's letters, he says that love is patient, love is kind. Love does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. We know the love part there. Jesus talks about love, and Jesus says this. He says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for another person. Again, sacrificial, submissive, surrendering language. There's no greater love to actually lower yourself, submit yourself, sacrifice yourself in order that others will flourish and others will thrive Sometimes when I'm doing um, weddings and uh, taking a marriage, uh, what are they called? Wedding service. When I'm marrying people, uh, I use this little thought, this little example of a seesaw. And I think sometimes, you know, we can go into this sort of mindset of, oh, do you know what? We have to keep everything balanced. Like, you know, if you're spending 50 pounds on a nice pair of shoes, then hang on a second, I'm getting myself a nice pair of Levi's, and that, that's, that's 50 pounds. Oh, hang on a second. If you're having six chicken nuggets, then I'm going to have six chicken nuggets too. And this kind of fight of saying, we've got to keep it equal, we've got to keep it balanced, we've got to keep it so set and so straight and so balanced. But actually, isn't it true that in, in relationships, there's moments where you say, you know what? You have six chicken nuggets. I don't need them. You need them. Actually, you know what? You take the 60 pounds, I'm actually all right. There's moments in our friendships and our relationships where we say, do you know what? I'm going to lower myself because I know at this moment, in this season, in this life, you need to be elevated. You need to be lifted up. I'm going to have to stoop down, lower myself, put my agenda, my needs, my concerns, my things to one side for this moment because I see that you actually need to be elevated. I'm going to submit, surrender. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to give and go without because you need it. You need it more. And it's actually impossible to keep it balanced like that because life's messy, life's hard. And in any relationship, there's moments where some of us just need to kind of put our agenda to one side and say, do you know what? You take it. You need it. I'm going to kind of submit to that and surrender to that. For me, it was when my dad died that I basically just, I just withdrew and I didn't have anything to give, really. And I didn't want to be at church. I didn't want to be around my friends. And I, I didn't want to look people in the eye. And I was grieving. I was struggling. And I watched as actually Katie sacrificed, surrendered, put her agenda at times to one side and said, you know what? You need it. You need something at this moment. I'll do it. I'll take one for the team. I'll sort the kids. Don't worry about it. I watched Katie as she lo lowered herself, 
and, and able for, to enable me to be elevated and, and lifted and propped up. To say, you need it more at this time. I'm going to completely surrender what I have. And then of recent years of late, for Katie, for me, it was during lockdown and, and being aware that actually all our children are growing up and going to school. And Katie having this degree in art and design and painting and saying, actually, now's the time for you to start what's effectively a business. Now's the time for you to do your art. And actually, what I'll do is I'll get up at six and I'll take the kids and I'll dress them and I'll do breakfast and I'll take them to school and I'm getting ready. Why don't you paint? Why don't you have six till nine? Why don't you have every morning just painting? And I'll, and I'll pick paintings up and I'll drop them off and I'll set up galleries for you and I'll take them down because this is the moment where actually my agenda can be put to one side. I, I, can, I can lower myself here because you need it. To get you through this, you're going to need it. And there's this mutual submission, there's this mutual sacrifice, there's this mutual uh, effort and energy in our relationships to say, do you know what? There's moments and there's times where we have to kind of work together. We're a partnership in all of this. And I'm going to lower myself, I'm going to throw myself down on it, and I need to allow you to thrive and to flourish. So Paul's really challenging uh, a culture, an environment where it's maybe not all a mutual submission and so on, but it's maybe more being prioritized over the other, one person over the other. John the Baptist said he must increase in order for Jesus to decrease. And there's moments where we need to decrease in order for others to increase. Jesus submitted and sacrificed. You know, he became low and he served and submitted and surrendered to the point of washing the people who should have been washing his feet. As a rabbi, he lowered himself to the point of being on the dirt and holding the dirty, stinking, probably feces-covered feet because they had open sandals and washed their feet. As a servant, he lowered himself, becoming the very nature of a servant, and he loved upon others. Libby said last week that Jesus is someone who runs towards us. He runs towards our pain, our regrets, our dysfunction. He runs towards us and throws himself down at us. And we see that example on the cross, don't we? I'm aware that uh, next week it's going to be Remembrance Sunday. And I was thinking um, about a war story that I'd heard, actually. And this war story, we hear about... Um, this uh, regiment that was down in the trenches. And they're down in the trenches, and um, the enemy was on the other line. In the middle, it's called No Man's Land, as you know, and that's the place where the battle takes place. And the guys, the regiments, they'd they come up, the soldiers had come up from the trenches, they'd gone out, they'd had this battle, it all kicked off, there was bullets flying, people had been shot, and then the uh, commanding officer said, everyone retreat, come back, come back to the trenches. So the soldiers ran back and fell down into the trenches. And the story goes that there was two best friends and they always fought together and they always stayed by each other and they always watched each other, but they'd got lost in the battle. They got lost in the mess of it all. And this one soldier was desperately, frantically looking for his friend. So he's going amongst all the soldiers in the trenches, just looking, lifting their helmets, looking to see who it was, trying to find his friend. He can't see his friend. And then he pops his head above the trench and he sees his friend. He sees his friend out in no man's land, and he's injured. And the soldier goes to the commanding officer, and he says, I'm going to have to go and get my friend. And the officer says, you can't do that. 
That would be a suicide mission. There's no way you're going to go into no man's land to get your friend. I can't allow it. And he said, you don't understand. We, we've promised we're going we're to stay by each other's side. We said that we look out for each other. I've got to go and get my friend. I've got to leave the trench and get my friend. He's like, no, I don't want you to do that. That would be suicide. You can't do that. And after this wrestle and this conversation and this turmoil, the friend says, oh, you know what? Sack it. I'm going to get him. I can't leave my friend in no man's land. So he climbs out of the trench and he runs towards his friend in no man's land. And the bullets are flying towards the soldier. And the soldier gets to his friend and he stoops down and he looks at his friend. And he eyeballs him and he looks him in the eye. And then he grabs his friend, he stoops down and he picks his friend up. And he puts his friend on his shoulders and he begins to run back to the trenches. And as he's running back, the bullets are flying and they're hitting the backs of them. And the two of them slump down into the trenches. And the commanding officer comes over to the soldier and he said, what a stupid thing to do. I told you not to go. I told you not to go and get your friend. What a waste of time. And the soldier said this. He said, you know what? He said, it wasn't a waste of time. He said, my friend's not dead. He's really injured. He said, and when I got to my friend and I stooped down and I looked him in the eye, my friend said, I knew you'd come for me. I knew you'd come. See, there's moments in life where we have to go to no man's land, where we have to sacrifice ourselves, we have to lower ourselves, we have to put our agenda to one side, and we have to run towards people, submit, surrender, and we need to do this loving relationship. And sometimes we need to pick people up, and we need to put them on our shoulder and say, look, I've got you, I've got you. I'll do this, I'll take you, I'll take the weight, I'll run towards safety for you. My question is, who are you doing that for? Who am I doing that for? And who's doing that for you? Who's running to you when you need it? Who's putting their agenda? Who's sacrificing, submitting, making themselves low in order that you may thrive? It's important that we find people who are going to do that, who are going to be Christ, who are going to sacrifice and surrender. It's important that we do that for others as well. I said I wanted to broaden this and move that on. And temptation is that we get stuck in verse 18 and 19 with the wives and the husbands. But the Apostle Paul is saying much more than that. He's broadening it. He's saying we submit to one another out of our reverence for Christ. We're a partnership. We, we surrender ourselves. He's also saying the importance of family, children. So verse 20, he says, children, obey your, your parents in everything. This is pleases Lord. We, we love this verse. We have it painted massive on the walls and we make our kids recite. No, we don't. We'd never do that. Children, obey your parents uh, in everything. And I know that that can be hard to do, especially if, if your parents um, are not quite functional or if your parents uh, are not very well or if for numerous reasons your parents just don't function correctly but the apostle paul saying look this is the goal this is the aim that that, that you know we we honor we obey and, and as much as we can that we we really look to our parents and pray for our parents and care for our parents i'm aware that some of us you know we're all adults here actually you know our, our kids are over there but we're still children of god the church cares about family, cares about children. It was, been, it was amazing to come to Safe Families uh, prayer breakfast not too long ago just here at the church and to hear stories of different shapes of families 
and how the church cares for families and how they uh, really get around families and support families who may have been struggling and children and, and their new homes and so on. It's just incredible to see. Recently, well, just a, a couple of weeks ago, here at P's and G's, we hosted some of the refugee families from Afghanistan. There was 25 um, families living out uh, in a hotel by the airport. They're not there now. But um, just to have them here in, at the church with Edinburgh City Mission to do face paints and cakes and drinks and bouncy castles and just to do family together in God's house. It's incredible. Church cares about family. And the Apostle Paul cares as well. He wants us to flourish in our relationships he wants us to flourish in our households, wanting us to submit to one another, to love upon one another. Let's think about how we maybe submit or obey Jesus and God. Are we able to be children of God and to obey? I wonder if God did have a love language. You know, there's these love languages. I wonder if God had a love language, whether it would be obedience. I just love that, that thought of just being obedient as, as children of God to our heavenly Father. Verse 21 then, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. You know, in first century Palestine, fathers were supreme rulers over the household and they had absolute power over their children even un until adulthood absolute power over their children, even until adulthood. It was a slightly different context and setup and how it was there. But with our kids, with nephews, nieces, grandchildren, let's encourage them. Let's encourage them. Let's not let them become discouraged. Let's wrap our words around them. Josh said last week, didn't he, in his talk, that our words have got the power of life and death. So let's water our children, our nephews, our grandkids, or godchildren, whoever it is. Let, let's wrap our words around them like the potter's hands around clay and mold them. We know it's easier to mold a child than to repair an adult. Let, let's mold the children with our words, our kindness, our love. Let's shape them to become children of God as they grow. The Apostle Paul is really wanting relationships to flourish, households to flourish. He's wanting everything to come under Christ, saying, you know, Christ is, is the Lord of all. Christ is the one that we need to submit, come under completely. We need to have submit, uh, mutual submission, surrender, caring for one another, lowering ourselves. Let Christ reign supreme in our homes in our relationships, in our workplaces, and in our world. And just whilst we're on that, just to end, in our world, it was brilliant, wasn't it, that Libby was able to just lead us in prayer for COP26. And I said that I want to massively broaden it out. We could have focused in on the wives and the husbands, but we see that it's much greater, it's much bigger, it's much broader than that. And I think the time that we're in, as we think about caring for creation and our relationship with the planet and the world, might it be the case that maybe we need to lower ourselves? Might it be the case that we need to set aside our agenda in order for the world to flourish, in order for the planet to survive, in order for the planet to thrive? Might it be that we might have to go without or lower our footprint 
or whatever it is, and, and, and just surrender and submit and change and become low in order that the earth and the planet thrives and flourishes at this time. So let's take on the very nature of Christ, being servants in all that we do, loving the person in front of us, no matter of their age, race, gender, belief. Let's love the people in front of us. Let us submit to one another and sacrifice for one another. Let's outdo one another in our care, support, generosity, and love for one another. And let us all surrender, submit, and come under Christ, who loves us, who cares for us, and who showed the greatest picture and image of sacrifice, surrender ever known. Just invite you just to stand and invite the, the band just to come up. Are you doing Build My Life? Is that right? It's a great song. Just invite you, just as the band begin to um, bring us to a moment of just processing some of that and allowing the Spirit and God just to allow the things of Him to remain, that we just position ourselves in complete surrender and, and submitting to God, saying, God, whatever you want out of my life, whatever you're saying to me, would you just bring it to the forefront now? Maybe you want to put your hands out in front of you. You don't have to, but it's just a, a bit of an outward sign of what you're saying inside. Saying, God, I'm open to receive from you whatever you want to give, whatever you want to say to me at this time. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, would you bring to mind now maybe someone that we need to just go after, run towards. Something maybe we need to lay down, put aside for the time being. In order that person may be rescued, flourishing, that they may be supported. Just bring that person to mind now, Lord, if there's someone. And Lord, for those of us who feel like maybe we're out in no man's land, maybe we're hurting, maybe there's been a bit of a storm going on, a bit of a battle, a bit of a war raging in our hearts and our head. Thank you, Jesus, that you come running. You sacrifice. You risk it all. You come to us. So, Spirit of God, just come. Comforter, come. Put your hand upon them. Put your arm around them. Pick them up. Raise them up, Jesus. Come, Lord God. Come close. Jesus, come. Help us with our relationships, Jesus. Help us to put others first, Lord, where we can. and Help us just to sacrifice, surrender. Help us to love the people in front of us, Lord God. 
as you love them. Come, Jesus, come. And Lord, we ask this um, in your name, knowing that you are the great lover of us, that you surrender and sacrifice us. And we build our lives upon that reality that we are loved, that we are worth it, that you like us. Help us to be more like you, Jesus, in all our relationships, we pray. Amen.